Joe. Shock. What's the difference between a good joke and a bad joke timing? Carnival personnel was recorded in a dank, moldy basement. <laughs> Joe and Chuck. It's Carnival personnel. Joe and Jock. To their wives, this show is their personal hell. Well, the show sounds the same every single week. Pats are great, Trump is lame, and Joe barely speaks. Who you think still listening? Who you think still listening? Besides Jim and Biff, yeah. And don't forget Richard. Here's a random review. No one cares about you two, Joe and John. Joe and Jacques, Joe and Jacques, Joe and Jacques. Welcome to Carnival Personnel. I'm Joe. <laughs> I'm Jacques. And that completely took me by surprise. I, it's the little things in life, you know? Anyways, welcome to Carnival Personnel. Uh, Joe, that was an amazingly nice surprise way to start the show. And I have a little surprise for Joe that I was going to give him before we got there. Uh, Joe's responsibility is for doing uh, everything associated with the show. Wrong. Except the opening bad joke. Fake news. Um, I bring the snacks. Uh, but I have a little snack surprise for Joe. I can't believe it. He's unzipping his pants. No, <laughs> so it's a oh a cooler. It's a full cooler, and it has the bear logo on it. So it must be a brain, brains, brains, and uh, <laughs> a tuna sandwich, a tab, and a couple of Twinkies. <laughs> you son of a bitch! That's what I got him for one of his birthdays years ago. So thank you for this. Oh my god! We were at uh like last week or the week before we were at a store like Joe and I. Because, you know, there's nothing couples like doing when he's opening the tuna sandwich. I'm hungry. Uh, and and we were getting some, like, soda and some beer for the show uh, <laughs> and for Joe's party. And he's like, oh, my God, they have a case of tab here. And I was like, wow, I don't know the last time I saw it. So after the podcast on the way home, I went back and I picked up the case of tab. So uh, a half case, to be honest, like the 12-pack. Hey, what could make a basement smell better? Um, nothing other than a tuna fish sandwich from the gas station near my house. Well, you know, you left it in the cooler, and the cooler, I think the ice pack melted, so yeah. I just want to make sure that I eat this. Well, I picked it up this morning, and I'm like, ah, if I don't put this in the car now, I will forget it, and the whole show thus week will be ruined. Uh, anyways, as Joe, uh, miles away. So that's what dysentery tastes like. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my, my true gift to Joe Food poisoning from the gas station tuna sandwich. Uh, welcome to Carnival Personnel. Okay. <laughs> not not necessarily with half a tuna. No one's taking the tuna fish sandwich away, Joe. You can relax. Fine dining is not supposed to be rushed. I grew up in the Depression. <laughs> oh, wait, no. I grew up with, with Depression. Yeah. See, see, it's that thin line between clever and stupid, as they would say in uh, uh, Spinal Tap. So, Joe... Lots going on this week. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, the disaster that everybody's talking about. Um, the, you know, what, what, what our country is dealing with is unprecedented as ways of these unprecedented storms. And of course, I'm talking about the Patriots losing the opening game this season. I thought we weren't going to talk about that. We aren't. We're, we actually, we'll talk about that hey, later. G- 
That's our gift to our audience. Because the Patriots lost. Not a lot of Patriots talk this <laughs> Not week. Not a lot of Patriots talk. But uh but it's it's you know, it's one of those things, uh as you said so so well the other day when I was pointing out, you know, it's a five hundred year storm. Harvey has just wreaked havoc on, on Houston and the surrounding areas, and I can't imagine anything worse, to which you said Um I forgot. <laughs> Uh, hold my beer. <laughs> oh, right, right, yeah, right. Well, Irma said, "Hold my beer." Irma said, "Hold my beer." Um, yeah, so that so that looks like a lot of fun headed towards uh, Florida, and like probably so. This is Sunday night, and uh, you know, by the time this podcast is is put up there, it would have probably ripped through half of South Florida by now. Right now, if you're listening, it's probably Monday, um, and it's rip roaring through the Tampa area, uh, up the west coast of Florida. Toward um, toward Tennessee, I think is where it's going to land. That's where the plotting is it's supposed to be landed. But there's also, don't worry, there is also Hurricane Jose coming in through the Caribbean, which looks like it's going to curl out and not hit the U.S. But yeah, that, well, if we had that wall up, Jose wouldn't be able to get in here. Well, he'd help build it. <laughs> he'd help build it. No, or he would pay for we it. We put <laughs> it up right. We put it up to keep him out, but then he would have to pay for I'm it. I'm forgetting what's going on. Um. Uh, and, and the great thing is, well, not the great thing is, like we talked about it. My f- my favorite awful meme that was great. It's a back of a semi truck that's completely empty, and it said the first truckload of hopes and prayers, you know, arrived in Houston last week. So again, you know, doing what we can. Uh, you know, uh, we donated, or Joe did independently. The podcast did it. We never took any of that to funk spots. The royal we. The royal we. Um, so it's the same thing. Last week we had a 500-year storm, which, as I understood it, is a storm that pr- should probably only happen once every 500 years. And here it is within one podcast. I think we're binge storming. I think that's what the country is doing now. Binge storming. Right. Exactly. right. Getting in all the storms that would do for the last century in one year. But luckily, we've had you know almost one a year somewhere, like in you know somewhere around like the world that we we never pay attention to all the other awful hurricane tsunamis everywhere else. But it's not just the United States. See, global warming doesn't just affect us. <laughs> I wonder if Trump's running like a storm pageant, where right, like you know exactly. like we're going to bring in all the greatest storms, and then we're going to vote on who's the hottest storm at the end of the year. <laughs> Oh, uh, so so yeah, so a, a couple, a couple, you know, back to back, and and you know, in Houston we had you know the the born again Bible thumper, holier than thou, Osteen. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, Osteen. O- Osteen, who didn't open his church. Uh, this week's douchebag of the week, and it, it's not funny that he's not the douchebag every week, but he's been off the radar for a while. Rush Limbaugh. Oh, I thought you were going to say Kirk Cameron. But go <laughs> oh, on. No, wait, wait, hey, uh, Kirk, pump the brakes. Hey, or or as I had once said, the funniest white guy on. Oh, uh, what was the network he was on? Uh, oh, UPN. U- UPN, yeah, when he had the UPN show. But he, um, yeah, well, you start with our, our good friend Kirk Cameron. So I understood that Cook, Kirk Cameron has blamed the latest r- rash of hurricanes, of course, not on global warming, because that's stupid, but uh, on, on something, something bad that humans did. As moral people. Right, right, right. He, he, he's one of those people. Like, you, ha- you have the people with New Orleans, you know, had Katrina saying, well, that's just such a sinful city that that's God's way of uh, 
of, of rationing out like you know his dislike with what goes on in that city and then of course you had you know some people coming out and for 20 plus years the mayor of houston was a lesbian an open lesbian you know woman and that was part of the reason that it hit you know houston instead of texas well now i know why that's that rationale actually kind of works because you know our president's home is mar-a-lago which is in right, florida right. okay you know so yeah fair enough fair enough <laughs> hey so from one podcast to the next, you have two 500-year storms. But in between, in between, the appointed head of NASA is a client, climber science denier. Yeah. The head of NASA. If I, And I, Barney I, Rubble cosplayer. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen this guy's neck? No, because it just goes from chin to torso. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. Good looking dude. <laughs> right. You know, but why, why do most of the client deniers look like that? I don't understand. Yeah. But the douchebag that I was talking about this week wasn't the new head of NASA who's doesn't believe in climate change. No, this week it's Rush Limbaugh. Why? Uh, he was ranting all week about, you know, the hurricane Harvey, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, now that Irma's coming, it's a liberal hoax, liberal right. hoax. He's out there, you know, telling millions around the world. That it's a liberal hoax, but then what's the first person to get on a private plane and get out of town? See, I wonder about that because what, how deep did his liberal hoax theory go? Like, how much of a hoax was Harvey? What about Harvey was hoax? Like, that it was that the origins of Harvey being climate change was a hoax? Right, and it's also a money grab, and that we over-exaggerate. Oh, like the devastation wasn't as big as the media has portrayed it to be. Uh, the what? The liberal media. Right, the what? The liberal Jew-run media? I don't well, know how you far know, keep go. you go. Because you're right. It's a liberal-run media. It's a Jew-run media. It's the fake news. Say whatever right. you want. All right. I, yeah, but it all starts with climate. This has nothing to do with climate change. But he was saying the evacuation from Florida is ridiculous. This is a hoax. This is to panic everybody. Is my plane ready? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that was the fun, not the funny thing. One of the interesting things this week is how all the airlines have had to deal with this, uh, how the cruise ships, because I've been to Miami a number of times working dolphin games, and it is absolutely crazy how many of these huge ocean liners you see coming and going. I mean, it's honestly like a freeway out in the sea, and how many of these ocean liners you know, had were either taking off from there this weekend, who either left early, just we're canceling your trip, we're going. Who's ever on the ship, great, we're going out to see the ride this out. Once they were at sea in the Caribbean, made a quick stop in Miami and said, Whoever wants to get off, get off. If this is your stop, great. If it's not and you want to get off, great. Otherwise we're going out to sea to ride this out. And we don't know if we're gonna be out there two, three days, four, five days, but you had a gauge. All private planes, all private planes, whether they're single-engine planes, jet planes, and everything in between, got the hell out. You know, are are looking for parking spaces, you know, states away and stuff like that to get out of the path of this. And then, of course, the you know, the airlines, same thing, canceling flights in there um, at the same time. I mean, scrambling. When you think about those, you know, passenger airlines, it's – first of all, it's expensive to park them. That's why, you know, th- this uh, – for years, JetBlue didn't come to Boston, you know, because it costs so much more to park at Logan than it did at Providence or it did in Manchester, New Hampshire. But there's only so many places to put these planes, and you got four or five major airports on the path of this hurricane that have to get out of Dodge. Um, 
And, and then Joe and I talked about this week. Why, why don't you tell us how some of the uh, airlines had dealt with uh, this tragedy? Delta with, <laughs> more specifically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and Chelsea, Chelsea Handler actually tweeted out this picture on her Twitter that uh, Delta had bumped like a flight. It was like a short, almost you'd call it like a puddle jumper kind of thing from Miami to, you know, I don't know, Shreveport or something. I don't know, someplace very close by. One way. One way. It went from like, what, $600 to like $3,500. And that was the norm. Right. But of course, you know, prices are subject to change. So buyer beware and buyer fuck you. And seriously, at what point do the... First of all, what kind of scumbag, and, and we talked about this sadly last week in Houston, people selling cases of water for like 45 bucks. Yeah, that was a Best Buy store. And, you know, of course, there's always, it's not the corporation's fault. That was one manager of one Best Buy store. Best Buy, or as Joe likes to call them, a future defunct sponsor of Carnival <laughs> Personnel Podcast. By the way, Best Buy bought out one of our future defunct one of our defunct sponsors, Sam Goody, in two thousand. Well, I mean, so they had to check up the water in order to afford advertising <laughs> on our show. I mean, the Blue Apron people can't even get in the door here. It was uh, for a good cause. So, so you do you, you, and then you go by and you think about. All the great PR that airplanes, you know, that these companies have had over the last few years. But honestly, something like this comes up and you see it as a money grab. There's a special place in hell right next to all the lawyers for you. Yeah. Well, you know what I don't understand is Sorry, that John. <laughs> the airlines are going to be doing this probably forever. Like this is the norm. It is the norm. Norm! Yeah. This is not going to change unless we come up with unless a company like you know SpaceX or something comes up with, up with a teleportation system, something faster. Because hey, hey, you want to get from you know uh, Los Angeles to Boston in you know less than seventeen years. Uh, but, but to your point, then you have people like JetBlue, who yeah. now many of the other airlines, after seeing the shit the Delta took, jumped in line and. JetBlue was the first people to say, we're capping it. That's it. It's $99 to $139 one way. Get out of town as fast as you can type thing. That That's the kind of PR. Yeah, they could make an extra $100,000, $200,000 by jacking up the prices, or they can get about $10 million of good free press and goodwill. Right, but then they they also have their limitations, you know. Like they're not they're understaffed. They're you know they're almost like a, they're aren't, I mean they're a budget airline for a reason, you know. They're not uh, they're not carrying a lot of overhead um, in, with their with their pilots with their flight staff, you know. You're gonna hear stories come down the line about you, and we've heard these in the in like decades before how these smaller budget airlines would run their pilots ragged, you know. They'd be sleeping in like you know dumpsters overnight to make because they had like you know two hours between shifts. Well, no, they've they've changed a lot of those rules because they've had to and stuff. But I mean, I for years when we would live in LA, the 20 years I lived in LA, once JetBlue started to come to first Manchester and then Manchester, New Hampshire, so where my family lives, it's halfway between Logan going, you know, a half hour south, Manchester, New Hampshire going a half hour north. And the bummer thing about going to Manchester, you couldn't get direct flights. They had to have smaller planes that went there, but it was worth it to have a layover somewhere to to fly JetBlue, and the same thing. JetBlue didn't fly out of LAX; they flew out of Long Beach, so we would have to drive there. But it was worth it because the JetBlue, you know, they were the first. They bought the guy who owns JetBlue bought Directv, put on all the flights. That was like the first flight that said, "Here's free TV." And 
Yeah, so different early. But the whole point of this is they didn't see it as a money grab, you know, and then all the other airlines followed suit and saw, oh, JetBlue's getting all this good press and good PR and just, uh, what's that term? Doing the right fucking thing, you know, yeah. helping people get out of town as quick as quickly as you can. And so, like I said, I mean, you, you can choose to be a complete scumbag a Rush Limbaugh, a Kirk Cameron, a Delta Airline, a Donald Trump, <laughs> or you can uh, or you can be a decent human being. So, it, you know, so these these disasters bring out the best of people. It also brings out the worst. Um, and talking about the best of people, we talked about it at length last week, what J.J. Watt had been doing in Houston and can, still continues to do. Twenty eight million dollars is the last count of what he had raised. Uh, and I think he wanted to he, he was trying to get his hands on a couple trucks to come in with stuff. And I think he was trying to raise like a few hundred thousand dollars. So this went well beyond what he had expected. Good for him and good for the Houston um, community for uh, for this for just kind of pulling together. Right, and it, it and it wasn't like I mean he doesn't get paid more by the NFL for doing this. Yeah, his image goes up, and he will forever be a hero there. He probably would have been a hero because he's the best defensive player in the league. But it, it's great to see like you know the best part of like you know that and stepping up. And so hopefully. You know, the the pro sports teams, you know, um, and, and, and Tampa and Miami, you know, who are a big part of those communities, you know, step up as well. Yep. I believe they would. So that's great. Um, so, you know, what, el- what else is going on that I wanted to talk about? Because it's all about me. The important things facing our time right now, Joe. What? Movies. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, okay. I didn't know if I was going to read yeah. right off the paper. So, so you know, uh, we were talking the other night. Like Joe asked, "Hey, what is the release date of Star Wars?" Because there, there are certain movies that to uh, Joe and I are uh, our holidays. <laughs> you know, the, no, Joe, when's your anniversary? Duh. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, uh, you, don't ask me either. I don't know when your anniversary is. <laughs> I owe. But uh, but but big movies like that, you know. Uh, we we will take you know Joe will take the day off of work. I will take the day off of something something right? and then, parenting. And then, no wait, this, this yeah. is actually more parenting. Yeah. You have to start doing something before you can stop doing something, Joe. Uh, and from my parenting tips of the week, I think we know how much parenting is being done at my house by uh-huh. me. Uh, but so I I I I didn't I did not know that no. I did not know the exact date. So I went online to find out. No, and I wanted to make sure I knew when, you know, some of the movies that I really want to see, like, you know, Blade Runner and... Yeah, uh, let's just go down the list. Okay. So, so it, it opens tonight and... It, I mean, it opened on Friday. It opened on Friday. You got to think you. fourth dimensionally, man. Uh, here's the great thing. Management lives in fear of clowns. Do you, what was that phobia that we talked about when we had fun bags on the show? Uh, oh, um, we had our friend uh, Tracy, yeah, who's a professional right. clown, on. There, there, there's a name for a phobia, and she truly has this. Like she saw it on TV. She saw it and killer clowns from outer space when she was, you know, a wee lass, and has scared the shit out of her forevermore. I mean, when we lived in Venice Beach, you would have these, you know, roaming clowns on the beach, you know, doing balloon animals for kids and stuff like that, and handing out like candy from windowless vans. And if she saw one like a block or two away, we would either go down an alley and walk completely the long way around, or if she spotted it last minute, she would go from like, you know, my left to my right and squeeze my arm, like almost snap the bone in half. She'd be so paraphrased. However, she's going to see it. 
she's right now as we're doing this podcast she is seeing it at uh, the movie theater chunkies for those of you not in the new england area chunkies is a movie chain that has like tables and these really big chairs with table service for food like a full menu and stuff like that a bar and a full menu uh chunkies that let people know Come to Chunkies, get the four 5D experience as clowns will randomly be walking through the theater. Oh, my God. During, yeah, so it's one of those things where that scares the living shit out of her, just the thought, but she couldn't wait to get there. So uh, if you hear screams coming out of the greater Nashua area Chunkies tonight, don't call 911. It's just management having a complete freak out. And then, so it, uh, a couple of more weeks, we have the Kingsman, which I, sequel. Right? Yeah, yeah, the Kingsman, which I really, really like the first one. Um, uh, you know, but I like the big budget action shoot 'em ups. You know, it's kind of a James Bond meets like you know an Avengers type movie type yep. thing. Uh, so that that was really great. Uh, Lego Ninja. Uh, Am I going to say Ninjago. that? Ninjago. I never say that right. Um, uh, any N-word. <laughs> you st- stammer. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't want to offend. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say Because, you know, off the air, I say it, you know, right. what, every fourth or fifth word I right. throw that out You're there? You're not allowed to say Ninjago. That's their word. <laughs> That's their word. Uh like, the, the Lego movie, one of my favorite movies ever, Lego Batman is Really, it's in my top 10 favorite Batman movies. And you're like, oh, yeah, top 10. Really a stretch there. There's about 20. Like, you know, There's 20 that Jock has seen. Yeah. You know, just in the past two weeks yeah. alone. Um, so so that that looks like a lot of fun. A lot of those pun-driven movies. A lot of play. Like his father, you know, abandoned him and his name's Lloyd. And he calls, what does he call him? Lloyd. Lloyd. You know, Flatliners. That's not one of my movies, but it's another one that management can't wait to go see. A remake of that. And then Blade Runner. Um, and that's one of those movies. It, it, when you think about Harrison Ford, it is – seriously, in the past 50 years, has there been a bigger actor? I mean he's not the number one box office draw now or the last 10 years. But, but since 1977, how many people are parts of – you know, it used to be trilogies. He used to be the only person you know, who was in two trilogies of that level because you can't put there's a you know can you put on one hand the numbers of trilogies that rival star wars no i mean that's yeah it's 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 astounding you know i mean you have like the star trek right you movies. got star trek do it real quickly. it's a franchise think, think about the franchises that you put on level or uh, at least rocky. in the same realm you okay. have rocky. rocky yeah. and rambo yep. it had their time yeah um but you yeah, know star wars back was, to the future back to the future was a trilogy but that was sort of like uh, indiana jones yes i know yeah so, so that's the amazing thing no, yeah, this he, was guy. In, he was in both the indiana jones quadrilogy now uh soon to be Quintuple Illogy, <laughs> uh, when Indy 5 comes out, and, you know, the Star Wars movies. It was in four Star Wars movies. But then Blade Runner. Blade Runner's one of those movies that Blade Runner is doing a midnight showing somewhere every Saturday night somewhere in America. Never seen it. It's one of those classic, classic, revolutionary, stop what you're doing, change how, you know, you look at your life type thing. We need to do a podcast where we talk about movies that we've never seen. Like, you've never seen Blade Runner? Right. right. I didn't see Goonies. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I, Joe, Joe's management still isn't talking to me when she <laughs> found out I didn't see Goonies. She'll lift the embargo soon. Don't <laughs> so, worry. Uh, so, so, yeah, so Blade Runner's coming out, and that does. It looks absolutely awesome. Um, hopefully Harrison Ford doesn't get killed in this 
this one too. Oh, did I just ruin it? Did I just no. ruin the last Star Wars that came out two years oh, ago? Oh, come on. Uh, and then the one that I'm conflicted of. Um, my dog is named Loki. Um, there's a number of people who went to college with me, you know, thanks to my, my really good friend, my artist friend, uh, Tina Enos, who Google her. She's one of the best photo artists I've ever known or I've ever met. Um, I don't think she knows my real name because she met me like first week of Fitchburg and she called me Thor, you know, because I very Thor like hair, you know, you know, and of course the build to match. Um, but I'm very conflicted about the new Thor movie, mostly because they cut Thor's hair. (laughs) Uh, so did you? Yeah, so, you're right. You're right. So, so, uh, and then, and then the one that is going to define my children's childhood, uh, Justice League comes out um, November seventeenth, and that will that will probably be the first movie that I let my oldest son do a midnight showing for. Like, I'll let him get off the bus. You know, I'll, I'll give him some Benadryl, let him take a two three hour nap, get him up at nine, and we'll go. That will be his first midnight showing of, cool. a, of a movie. Um, no, that's not my parenting tip of the week, but, you know. Yeah, giving your kids Benadryl and knocking them out right after school? That should be everybody's parenting tip. I think that was week one or week two, too. All right. <laughs> you oh, know. Uh, but Justice League. Um, and then we go, you know, um, Star Wars comes out, you know, well, the big... You know, but but then um, and and that that one you know uh, you know still conflicted about because of course ruining you know ruining the Force Awakens uh you know there's no gonna, there's not going to be a Harrison Ford in this one right and there's not going to be a Carrie spoilers there's not going to be a Carrie Fisher in Episode Nine right right Carrie Fisher, the the sad sad irony you know other than Carrie Fisher dying you know Carrie Fisher dies uh, Harrison Ford's alive they wrote out the wrong character Kylo Ren stabbed the wrong parent uh. in this. Movie, you know, has he only had the foresight? Uh, uh, and then I'm not sure the boy saw the preview for uh, um, I never say that Jumanji. Jumanji, thank you. And I'm like, how much money? I don't think he's a bad actor, but how much money am I going to give The Rock? (laughs) How much have I given The Rock the last 20 years? How much am I going to give Rock over the next 20? Yeah, I mean, well, it looks like it's an interesting premise because the original Jumanji movie with Robin Williams from the 90s was about a board game that if you play it, uh, it, it, the um, the jungle setting would come to life. So everybody's seen Jumanji, I think, by now. So Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle is, instead of a board game, it's a video game, man! And the, you, go, you enter the video game. So that's a little weird. Like It's not like the video game characters are coming into the real world. The players get sucked, their avatars get sucked into the video game worlds, and then their avatars are... Uh, tropes of video game characters, so they don't. The players themselves don't look like their avatars. So, like a wimpy guy, a wimpy kid is playing the Rock in the video game world. Right, the hot girl. Right, who is Karen Gillum from um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Doctor Who? Um, yeah, she's like the Laura Croft character. Well, who becomes uh, Jack Black? I forget. I mean, like one of the girls. One of the, oh, one of the girls becomes oh, right. Jack Black. Oh, the the hot girl becomes Jack right, Black. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought you meant the hot girl in the. Yeah, game. yeah, no. Yeah. And, and what game system did they were they playing? Because they they were in the high school in the in the, oh, like the old AV room. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't know if they were playing like a, a GameCube or if they were playing a more modern. system. Is it a system that is down in 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 your man cave down here? I haven't <laughs> dissected the trailer enough. I'm safely going to say yes. Right. <laughs> it's a it's better than a fifty fifty. 
chance. If it's not the Sega Master System, then yes. Then otherwise. Uh, and then and then you know, Daddy's Home, which which you know not not the biggest Mark Wahlberg fan, but seriously, it, it, that will definitely be a Redbox one because Will Ferrell's like just and those kind of movies. It does what he's supposed to be doing. I'm a bit conflicted because I'm not sure if this is true or not. I, I don't know anything m- much more about Daddy's Home 2 than I do about Daddy's Home 1, which is nothing. Um, I, but in the thumbnail to the trailer on YouTube, I saw Mel Gibson. Is he in Daddy's Home 2? Is oh. he like the go- the grandfather in Daddy's Home 2? We can, we can only... Because if there's one thing Hollywood's missing, it's anti-Semites. Right. So, so um, and, and then, and then I, you know, because uh, I'm really old and like movies that are much older than me is the remake of Murder on the Orient Express looks absolutely amazing. Um, that's a rundown of the big movies coming out like, you know, this fall and winter. And so, you know, I put together the ones that, you know, are expected to do the most at the box office, that are already getting the most press. We got 12 movies that we just talked about, Joe. These are supposed to be the biggest movies this fall and this winter. Quickly looking at the list, there's a through line that connects all these movies. There's well, sequels and remakes. Every one. Yeah. Every single one is a sequel or a remake. Uh, the only other movie that we didn't talk about that I'm really, really, really looking forward to see is called The Disaster Artist. Uh, It became a big thing in L.A. about mm, 10 years ago. There was a movie in 2004 called The Room, and it was supposed to be, it like, harken back to Ed Wood, you know, a really, really bad movie with really bad acting that somehow you know, saw the light of day. Uh, Not to be confused with the Academy Award nominated and possibly winning Room. Right, right. The Room, Room, completely different. Uh, And it it is. And so it became, I don't know if everywhere else, but in L.A., it became the the newest version of... um, the midnight show movies that they do. Oh, like, like Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror. It became a Rocky Horror. And on Sunset Strip in L.A., every Friday and Saturday night, there was a midnight screening of the room that all these A-listers started to go see, and it became a buzz thing that uh, that they are now turning in the making of the movie into a real big movie with uh, uh, DeFranco and uh, Seth Rogen and a bunch of other... It's a dramatic retelling of the making of the movie. Which is funny because they ended up working with the people who were in the room to actually make this, and it looks... Uh, just, you know, Google the trailer. Uh, it's worth the Google. Um it looks awesome. So, so I will take the the oldest little guy uh, out of school on Friday, so oh that he God. can go to a Thursday night showing of Justice League. Because uh, look, seriously, what is he going to learn that one Friday? And he will always remember the first time his dad let him go to a midnight showing of one of these huge movies. Yeah, um, so, I agree so, with that. Yeah, so I'm 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 I'm, I'm pretty stoked. About I'm also that. a bad parent. So that's- <laughs> take it uh, all right, so so that wraps up our our, our our movie recommendations and talk. But it it is crazy how they're all sequels, uh, prequels, or remakes. Yeah, and uh, I guess the next sort of movie esque thing maybe we can talk about briefly is that crowdsourced Boston Back to the Future project that I was working on with my son Connor. Uh, so we've wrapped and submitted our scenes, and Connor is actually going to be. Uh, in one of the scenes submitted for the Back to the Future. Correction, he is the scene. <laughs> He's the scene stealer, right? <laughs> if you're looking for scenes, it's at my house because Connor <laughs> stole them all. Um, so if you don't know, there's a thing called Crowdsource Boston. I guess every year, a group of filmmakers and public access 
communities get together in the Boston, New England area to recreate iconic movies. Last year they did Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. This year it's Back to the Future and uh, Arlington Public Access Station uh, is recreating a couple of scenes. I was involved more heavily in one of them and Connor was heavily involved in uh, another scene. And uh, the scenes were submitted. Uh, they look great. They're going to add music. Like another group is adding the soundtrack to it in the next couple of weeks. So the rough cuts were made available privately, and we saw them, and they looked pretty good considering the limitations, you know, that the filmmakers had. But uh, I think it's going to be worth a Google, and, and I'm not sure when, when we know the premiere dates and all that location. Of course, you'll hear it here at some point during the Carnival Personnel podcast. Um, I have absolutely nothing to do with any of this except I dragged you to a meeting to the Ar- Ar- Arlington Cable Station to talk about, you know, doing a project there. And I saw the poster and I'm, I volunteered, you know, like, hey, everybody interested in doing this should take two steps forward. And I did the three stooges thing where I took two steps back and there's Joe and they're like, oh, you like Back to the Future? And he took the reins. Um, but somehow because of that, I wound up on their mailing list right. and I got to see this. And, and really, I mean, I don't really like Joe. His kids are horrible, but are. I saw it and I'm like, dude, this is, so when I say this, it, it's not just being nice to a buddy and again it was really great it was really really fun to see i'm i i'm i'm very much looking forward to the public screening of this yeah so it'll be fun uh, so yeah so uh you know we usually talk you know start the show by talking about the horrible things that potus did but um you know after what happened thursday night uh i really didn't want to well not only did i not want to be negative i just couldn't so but we uh We'll dive into everybody's favorite topic of Jacques getting out of soapbox, telling everybody how uh, awful POTUS is, and Joe, you know, being a lot smarter and more thoughtful with his responses. The shocking thing is, this week there are other podcasts by people, let's say, on the other side of political fence, absolutely furious with their fur- their, their presidents. Uh, Trump actually has made a sh- now. Let me preface this. We haven't turned a corner. There hasn't been that presidential pivot. He isn't working with the other side of the aisle as much as it's being led to believe at this point. Um, The debt ceiling is reached. And remember about two months ago, he was saying, you know, if they don't put money in the wall, that the Republicans should shut down the government. Yeah, I remember that. He was really pushing hard. The last time, you know, the the government shutdown happened, it didn't look too good for them. And the time before that, it didn't look too good for them. But he was saying that the Republicans should play hardball, that, you know, if there isn't money in it for the wall, that they should call the Democrats bluff and and not raise the debt ceiling and shut down the government. You know, the, back to the whole drain the swamp thing, you know, says a guy surrounded by Goldman Sachs executives. Um uh, but surprisingly to everybody, in, including you know Democrat, you know Chuck Schumer, the Democrats and POTUS came to an agreement on a three-month extension of you know the debt ceiling, and it was voted on by all the Democrats and just a handful of Republicans. And now all the Republican people are like, he used to be a Democrat, now he's switching parties. I can't believe he betrayed us like this. And it's just funny to hear all the other people talk like you and I do every week that I can't believe he did something this awful. Yeah. 
It's amazing. Uh, I can't add, and really, I really can't add anything to this because I didn't read up on it. Um, I was, I was too caught up. You hyped me up so much for the Patriots that I forgot about everything else <laughs> oh, this week. I did, and, and we will. We'll, don't worry, we will get into the Patriots, but the talk will will be about more than the game. Lucky you to everybody. Uh, no, the funny thing is, it's like I, I listened to you know Chuck Schumer on a, on another show, and he was saying, you know, was it Chuck Schumer saying? They make this agreement, and they couldn't believe he calls saying, "Are you? Are you? Do you watch Fox News?" And he's like, uh, "Not, not really, Mister President." He goes, "They're saying really good things about you on Fox News. Can you believe they're saying good things about a Democrat on Fox News and on MSNBC? They're saying good things about me." And, and he's like, I, "I can only imagine the look on his face is like." Yeah, that's not how I run politics based <laughs> on on today's news, uh, this fifteen minute news cycle. But either way, hey, you 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 take you take a win how you can get it. Yeah, W's a W. Um, and, and the fact that you know he worked and begrudgingly, it there's a little bit of my soul that's dying more than the little bit that dies every day when I wake up and I uh, wake up. <laughs> but he, uh, the fact that something semi positive happened again, it's a three month thing. It could all go to shit come Monday morning. But for right now, it's just nice to know that you know the other side is completely freaking out. So we're kind of saying something almost positive about. POTUS, which is weird. And now, Joe and I had this talk the other day. Um, Hillary's book comes out this week. Yes, the, the book titled, uh, What Happened? Oh, I thought it was titled, Everybody Around Me Fucked Up and I Was Perfect and I Don't Know what, Why I Lost. Yeah. So I'm only going off of excerpts that were circulated on social media, you know, the liberal social media. But it looks to me that the, uh, the consensus, I guess, is that Hillary Clinton has blamed the Bernie bros and the Bernie Sanders campaign uh, for kind of blowing up the Democratic Party and just saying um, you go down you go down the list of just just in our lifetime and you had Ross Perot fuck things up for George Bush Sr. Um, he took away votes more from the, the Republicans than the Democrats, you know, and that really helped Bill Clinton. You fast forward, you know, and, and, the, and the same thing, you know, happened. You know, a couple other times where you have these third-party candidates that aren't realistic candidates, but just will pull enough from one. Yeah, like the party. Ralph Nader. The Ralph Nader. Yeah, Ralph Nader. I mean, his body of work over the years for the American people, second to none. We probably don't have seat. Seriously, we don't have seatbelts for another 10, 15, 20 years if it's not for Ralph Nader. Right. And, and you can go down the list of Ralph Nader's accomplishments. You know, and one of his accomplishments is costing a Democrat a presidential seat, which caused two Supreme Court seats. Like during that cycle, but you do you have this Bernie. Full disclosure, I'm not anti-Hillary. I've never been anti-Hillary. Um, there's a lot of things I like about you know Hillary Clinton. Uh, one of the things I like about Hillary Clinton is, and I remember some people saying, "Well, Bill's going to be in there, and people are also going to defer to Bill, and he's going to be in on decisions, and he's going to be you know taking meetings with people around the world." I'm like, so two really well liked world figures, you know? Yeah, we don't want to have. You know, a qualified relative of the president taking, uh, taking, being, you know, sitting next to the prime minister. Right, of Japan. right, right, Let's right. Put Ivanka fucking Trump there. Now that's a person that should right, be right, sitting with right. world leaders. If Hillary has to take a bathroom break and Bill sits in at the G20 <laughs> summit, yeah, I think everybody at the table's okay with that. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
so so I mean I thought that was great. On the other hand, I've been a Bernie su- supporter for twelve years. He did a weekly segment called Brunch with Bernie on a talk show, the Tom Hartman show that I like very much. So I've been a Bernie fan forever. What I also love about Bernie is how he got the youth energized. I have a um, I have a niece who is a college junior this year, who last year really, really got involved to the point where her mom and her drove up to Bernie headquarters in Vermont. You know, they, they took a day trip up there because she wanted to not buy a T-shirt and bumper sticker online, but actually wanted to go make a donation in person, not my mom, my, her mom gave her money that she was then donating. This is money that she earned. She's a hardworking kid that she put into the Bernie coffers, that she really got energized. She started reading the political things. She started talking to her friends. She went to Bernie rallies. And to see, you know, this 70-year-old guy from Vermont energizing an 18-year-old, like, base and getting, you know, kids really not just to pay attention but to actively become part of it, it was awesome to see. And I liked what he said. And, of course, you know, my my sister with two, you know, daughters in college – struggling to help them. They're struggling with the college debt they're going to have forever. For somebody to come by and say, hey, I'd rather you struggle to be paying your mortgage for the next 20 years and paying off a college loan the next 20 years. I've been a Bernie guy. I also like that, like Bernie had said, look, he's staying in it to the end. There's been people who've been donating to him from day one. And if he drops out before the primary happens in their state, he's taking away their right to pull the lever for him. And so... As a as a, a courtesy almost to the people who've been supporting him, he stayed on the ticket. But at the same time, and I agree, you look at where Hillary started. She was, you know, no free college. Bernie was free college to Hillary coming to free two year college type thing. I mean, and it and it did it pushed her, you know, more to that side. Which you know, it also pushed like the Democratic thing. She didn't lose because of Bernie Sanders. I think she became a better candidate. Yes. Are a lot of Bernie Bros probably didn't, and I shouldn't just say Bros because you know mo- everybody I know who was supporting Bernie voted for Hillary. Are some didn't vote once Bernie dropped out? Did some also hear? Because don't forget, if you go down, you take out the racism and a lot of leaves if you can for, for from Trump's rhetoric. He also had some very Bernie esque ideas that he was pushing out there. I mean, he w- he was also out there railing against Wall Street and the big banks. Now, of course, his entire administration is Goldman Sachs, but he was saying very Bernie-esque things about attacking banks and Wall Street has too much power. It sounds like he was playing like a guy who wanted to win the presidency and saying anything that people wanted to hear. And and, and maybe not intending on sticking with those promises. And, and look, I mean, I still, I still wake up, I'm like, I fucking can't believe it. And look, you know, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite sure, you know, on uh, February 5th, 2008, Brady woke up that morning. I can't believe we're 18 and one. I can't believe it. He probably spent the entire off season just fuming that he didn't win. So it, it's got to be the hardest thing to imagine. Hillary not losing the presidency. She lost to him. Yeah, the the creepiest, racist, absolute worst person you can ever imagine. Uh, she lost to him, and I don't know if the book is self serving or is like you know the start of our podcast, you know, therapy for her. But the biggest problem I I've always said facing the party that you know I'm part of is 
the lack of unity. I mean, honestly, nine well, months later, we're still fighting about this. Well, they were saying that about the Republican Party, too. And that the is the Republican Party destroyed? Is it dead? Well, that's what they were saying in October right. of last year. Yeah. So, not uh, saying it now because they've been unified. Yeah. So, but I don't know if there's a, there's not so much of a lack of, I don't know if there's a lack of unity uh, per se, but um, I, I do want to say that there is a lack of fresh blood. Yeah, so I, you know, so this past week, the uh, the love of my life, the woman who gets me out of bed every morning and gives me hope and keeps me going, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, seriously, she she entered politics full of fire and brimstone, and these big banks are ruining everything. And I'm going to do what I can. She's lived up to that. Like, like she's lived up to it so much. She's had Democrats trying to remove her from different councils. I mean, because there's a lot of Democrats who rely on hedge funds and Wall Street and banks, the big bankers. She's been a ferocious – I hate to say pit bull because that's a stereotype about dogs. She's been like – but she has been ferocious. She's, you know – against it and she's not stopped and her and bernie have aligned on a lot of things and now they have really teamed up on single payer and that's been a push of bernie's for 20 plus years he's been pushing this now he's getting other support from not just democrats major democrats and a lot of people talked about this week it's like elizabeth warren and bernie in, in 2020 you know this 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 is the next ticket and I'm a little excited about that because I like both. I hesitate because these are two really effective, uh, great leaders in the Senate for the Democrats. It exposes two seats. But Joe, you jumped in and you said, "Can't they find somebody younger?" Like, like, and you don't mean like twenty-five or thirty, right? I mean, well, so here's the thing: it's like we're we're all about. I guess most people who are fed up with business as usual are against oh career politicians uh these are people who have been in the system for decades they're in you know everybody's in their pocket this and that uh yet there's no barack obama to step up and sort of like sh kind of well there's one remember cory booker yes yes right. so cory Bo i mean is he, is he still a, he's still a yeah he's, he's still, still serving he, the public right and he's still doing a great i mean the, the funny thing about and I, and I could not agree with you more you know but when you say when we say we as a party, the royal we as you have put out there, is there a Barack Obama that we just don't know yet? Because who is Barack Obama before he was, you know, on the public scene like this? He was a one-term junior senator from Illinois. So maybe there there's somebody out there that we're not because of all the bullshit we don't know is work. But but Barack Obama also came to fame nationally at the two thousand four. Uh, right, right. When he, his uh, first term, yeah, when he was uh, at the John Kerry Democratic Convention, he came out as a keynote speaker and he gave us a rousing speech, like, "Who the hell is this guy? And why is he firing up all the goodness in my heart?" And he was also voted against the war in Iraq. Yeah, he he, he was like one of the few dissenting votes. Yeah, but nice. no, like you go on the list of all the the prominent Democratic leaders. You have like you know Nancy Pelosi. Okay, whatever. Then you have hot. Yeah, Bernie Sanders. Hot. Elizabeth Warren, Dibs, Chuck Schumer, <laughs> wait, wait, Amy Schumer, hey now. Dibs, right? So, but uh, but seriously, there's like the, where where is where's the fresh meat? I mean, you have like all these sort of weird fresh, like these kind of creepy, almost fresh faced 
people on the Republican side that you know make appearances on Fox News and all these well, other no, talk the, shows. They also made appearances on uh, MSNBC and uh, on CNN. You know, they were holding Nazi flags draped in, you know. Yeah. The, but there was a bunch of fresh Where is the Democratic Hitler, Hitler youth is what I'm asking. Thank you. Right. We're, Where's our Hitler? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's our Hitler. <laughs> oh, but again, you know, yeah, this is all boring. Let's move on. Well, no, I, I just want to touch in the the you know what I always like to call the the while you were sleeping or lost in the shuffle. The worst part about POTUS is the people he the and I mean this. The worst part of him isn't isn't the Russians, isn't his family. It's the people that he's appointing to prominent positions, and he's, you know, and and so far the worst is Betsy DeVos, who last week when we talked about De- Betsy DeVos. Well, two weeks ago, she's repealed all the Obama initiatives about college funding and private colleges and the extortion that they have. And, the, and then last week, it was, you know, she, she appointed the dean of DeVry University, who just paid out a huge settlement for fraud and defrauding students. Very presidential. You know, she, she, she appointed that guy to take over, you know, the task force against what he just paid out for. Um, this week, he's, she's repealing Title IX, saying that there's too many false reports of sexual, um, like, rape on campuses and, mm. and sexual abuse, and that there's too many women out there crying Wolf and think about all these poor men who are now late. And it, yes, it happens. It does happen. The Duke lacrosse people will be scarred for life over something that never happened. Yep. It, and you can't apologize enough to those kids. Uh, it's horrible. Does it happen? Yes. But for every one Duke lacrosse wrongfully accused guy, there is a hundred. Exception, not the rule. There is a thousand, you know, women who don't come forward because of this. And the fact that she's just repealed all the Obama Title IX things that like are protections in place. She is just the worst of the worst. So you know, you know, with that bit of happiness, we'll get off track. But you know, so I said some not awful things about POTUS, but the long term effects about who he puts in the Supreme Court will haunt us for forty years, and the people he has around him, uh, the head of NASA who doesn't believe in climate change, and the head of education who doesn't believe in public education. Other than that. Well, you know, the only, I guess, silver lining in all of this is that if, you know, oh, if Trump's administration can just go right down the list of Obama initiatives and repeal all that shit, our only hope as liberal or even moderate or just sane fucking people as a country can vote in a 2020 president that will repeal all the Trump era shit. Right, right. Um, but on a happier note, and this will be the quickest, this will be the quickest Patriot recap. Um, they lost a home opener. Never happens. This is the only time since Gillette Stadium has opened, you know, in the Kraft era and the Belichick era that Tom Brady has entered the fourth quarter with a lead at home in the, and lost. It's also the first time in a Bill Belichick run team that they gave up two touchdown plays of more than 75 yards. Um, it's going to be like two seasons ago where it's going to take four or five games. Like September is their preseason, and I'm not going to hit the panic buttons. Cook, their big wide receiver, they gave up a first-round draft pick, didn't play in the preseason. So this was the first time in game action him and Brady you know, were together. And, yeah, they didn't look like they were gelling. You know? No, they have to work on that. Like that, like that, like that comedy joke. You know, what's the key to a good timing? Comedy? You're right. They have to work on timing. So, uh, you know, we're not talking a lot about the Patriots. We're not talking a lot about POTUS. But we, we still have to keep these lights on. And with that, we bring you uh, this week's defunct sponsor. Nintendo. Think we're breakfast. 
Thank you. Thank our studio. It's just great to do a live show, Joe. Ah, uh, you're a great crowd, I tell you. Boy, I'll tell you. So, you know, I, I come to Joe's humble abode this week, and uh, while you know, while waiting him to get all gussied and dressed up, I pull off his bookshelf that I never noticed before. The Ultimate Nintendo Guide to the NES Library, 1985 to 1995. Written by? Written by? On the bottom. Pat Pat Contry. Uh, He's also known as Pat the NES Punk on YouTube. When I say this book is as heavy as your average cinder block or boulder, I mean, if, if, if you were to hit a human being with this, not wearing a football helmet and name Gronk, you would kill the guy. I was actually worried. Or about girl. T- let's not be sexist. I was worried that you, when you took that off the shelf, because that was a load-bearing book. Like, I needed <laughs> that to structurally hold that shelf together. You know, and I'm flipping through it, and it's like... And I'm truly just open a page. It comes out to the Wacky Racers, which is a cartoon that nobody under 60 except Joe and I know of. Uh, Catch the pigeon. Catch Catch the the pigeon. No, and that was (laughs) Muttley. Yeah, there you go. It was Muttley. And I'm like, oh, my fucking God. They made a game of this. And then I'm flipping. I see there's a... NES game for, you know, Thunderbirds. So my favorite, my seriously, my favorite bit on this podcast is uh, being out of the house right. <laughs> and being away from management. All the candy. And all the candy and, and a couple beers with my buddy Joe. Right, uh, some Budweiser's, huh? But, uh... But I do love the, the the random video game review of the week. But this week, I'm going to incorporate what the review of the game says, as well as how much the game costs. So without further ado... Oh boy, here goes Jacques. Over to my wall, oh, NES Games. He's walking backwards. Moonwalking, some would say. He's pushing my shelf down. It has collapsed. He has picked it back up, restocked the shelves, pulled a game off of the shelf... And now I will guess which game he pulled off of the shelf based on the space that he left on the wall. And it's in the Eps. I'm going to guess Faxanadu. Oh, I knew it. That was my first guess, and I it was Fester's Quest. I don't know how to spell nothing. So Fester's Quest is a game that is actually it's made by Sunsoft. It's based on the Adams Family franchise. You play as Uncle Fester, aliens have invaded the town, and you are the only one, you with the help of the rest of the Adams family, are the only one that can stop them. So uh, it's, a, it's a fun game, but it's frustrating because the American version of the game, you're given weapons that uh, you know, start off slow and you build up on them um, over time, but uh, the enemies are just notoriously hard to kill. They take multiple, 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 multiple hits. And these are just common enemies on the street. Um, so it's a frustrating game to play. When you die, you have to go back all the way to the beginning of the game. Even though you've made progress in the town, like by defeating bosses and whatever, you still start at the very beginning. So it's very frustrating. However, I understand that the European version of the game uh, lightened the load a little bit uh, so that enemies were easier to kill. Um, so it made it a much more 
enjoyable experience. You had unlimited continues, so there was that, but there was no password feature. So it's basically like a block out the afternoon if you want to beat Uncle Fester's Quest. But uh, it is a it is a good game. The soundtrack is very good. I really lo- do like the soundtrack to the game. It's made by Sunsoft. They also made the Batman video game. They have a, a just amazing, just fucking awesome killer 8-bit soundtrack. Uh, this is no exception. Uh, so I would uh, recommend it. You know, I'd recommend the European version, of course. Of course, you would get the recommended European version over oh, the US. Come on, Don't insult our audience. I will. Enough. Right? <laughs> so, I'm going to guess. Well, you, do you want me to guess how many stars? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, first guess well, the price. Gonna, give, uh, the give the price. Give the price. Card only. I'm going to say $10. I'm finding it around the $7 range. Wow. But again, if you add shipping, uh, but if I add, $10. If I went with my first gut instinct, I would have said 8 but um, yeah, all right. Your first Fair mistake enough. would have never been a podcast. Right. Me <laughs> all right. Now, now, now. What do you think? Uh, what do you think your buddy Pat and his cinder block heavy book <laughs> has, has given this? His tome, the Torah. Um, I'm gonna guess that he gave it uh, four stars. Three and a half. Okay. Uh, I will try to read from the book. I can't see like. Uh, it's a le- left to right. The lights better over. Oh my god. <laughs> but almost spoiler alert he almost gives you the exact same review well i mean i'll read the reflections uh reflections fester's quest of the game i remember hating when i was younger and i know i wasn't alone the game was rough at first confusing requires some trial and error and offers little help but uh, uh read the opening statement though uh, it's family friendly show the adams family takes an inexplicably violent turn in a run and gun game about uncle fester fending off alien invaders the titular hero does what anyone in this, situa- in this situation would, dusting off the old blunderbuss and taking to the street sewers, as well as some odd-looking 3D sections to beat back the alien assaulters. But uh, it's a great... Yeah. Wait, but your reflection was pretty much dead on. Oh, yeah. Say, yeah say. Well, I, I did study the book. So, <laughs> <laughs> cover to cover. But uh, uh, yeah, this is a great book. Also, I guess I'll throw in like a cheap plug for Pat Contry. He will be appearing at the Retro World Expo in Hartford, Connecticut, which is running uh, October, I think, 14th and 15th that weekend. That Friday, that's Saturday and Sunday. I think it's the 14th and 15th. He'll be a guest there. So I plan on taking my dream squashers, as you call yours, um, <laughs> Uh, the, the the judges would accept Hope Dashers. As oh well. yeah, Hope Dashers. So yeah, it, it's a retro expo that happens every year where you go and you play arcade games and you can buy old video games and you can meet these YouTube celebrities because that's all entertainment is now. It's like you find your niche, you find like all the little things that you loved growing up. Ask my boys who Harrison Ford is. Love they 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 know Han Solo. Yeah, they don't know Harrison Ford. <clears throat> they love Indiana Jones. They don't know Harrison Ford. They know Jack Septicai is a god, yeah. is a rock star. Uh, Dan Diamond Minecart might as well be John Lennon. <laughs> right. So, so with yeah. That, with that, let's uh, let's wrap things up a little quick. Uh, you got a Netflix Redbox Zoom pick of the week? Ozark. Ozark. Yeah, it's a, I just started it last night. It's a ten episode drama. Uh, it's kind of Breaking Bad esque, but it stars Jason Bateman as a financial advisor who gets into a bit of trouble with some unsavory characters, I might say. Uh, he and his partner get into a big mix-up, um, and his 
and his family is forced to leave town. They live in Chicago, and they have to flee to the Ozarks. Uh, it's sort of like, and it was sort of like a plea deal that he made for his life with the unsavory character. Now, now, when he fled, was he fleeing in one of those private plane pickup trucks that also has a ramp to get <laughs> up onto the the airplane? As no, okay, no, he was just you know his, his minivan. That, but, that, that's my favorite part about that that TV show. About what? Uh, Oh, uh, what? Uh, Arrested Development. Arrested Development. Oh. The only thing that the family got from oh, like, the, the settlement. Oh, the, the, uh, the 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 uh, the plane line. Like yeah, the the that has the, the staircase. Sta- the staircase. Ah, uh, that thing. Right. Okay. <laughs> Which you would I... see that going down four ninety five, and it's like <laughs> that was my favorite part of Arrested Development. Yeah, that's great too. Uh, which they are making another. They they are working on a fifth season of Arrested Development, but Ozark. Oh, sorry. My my pick is I uh, I can't believe I didn't know who Mark Marin was. And a few months ago, uh, when Joe's when my Netflix pick of the week was closed, ah. just the week after it was Joe's Netflix pick of the week, and Joe's like, "Oh my god, this this is so Mark Marin. Th- there's never been a role more." For his personality, it's perfect. I watched it, loved it. I'm like, oh, Mark Maron's a, he's great in it. So I found out again through Joe that he has a podcast. I listened to it, liked it, didn't love it. There was a couple episodes I was like, yeah, the couple episodes it was great. But recently, I wasn't loving it, and so you know, I get the Netflix notification because every stand up that comes up, you know, because I, I watch so much, I get I get the notification. It's like 17 stand ups every week. So I, I, you know, I turn it on and I watch it, and I was. Because I'm not in love with him right now, I was kind of looking forward to having something to, you know, not love about it. And it starts off with like the pre-skit thing. I'm like, oh, that's just easy. That's a cop on. Are we really doing this? Then it cuts to him walking on stage. He sits down. He takes the mic and he's like, I don't know what he's going to do next. (laughs) All in. Loved it. (laughs) Like like, it was really like Mark Maron special, like new release. Just put in Mark Maron. It is really, really good. Um, So so that that is my pick. Also, it's not my pick of the week, but I think management and I are going to try to power through this week. Uh, All four Jaws's are on Netflix now. So um, I have absolutely no recollection of three and four. I mean, Jaws. Jaws is it. Jaws is if you hate those kind of movies, you still have to understand it changed movies. Movies. Yeah, everything about it. was the first it. blockbuster. I, I mean, when you, you just—it's funny because because management, you know, is nannying to two, you know, tw- two-year-old twins, and with her hand, like she, you know, she makes like a little, like you know, uh, sharky, thing. sharky thing, and she's like, Donna, Donna, and the kids go running. I mean, these two-year-olds still. I mean, that's how impactful. Two notes of music. Are. That was just John Williams, by yeah, the way. Yeah, just John Wright. Exactly. I mean, so so you know, so so maybe that's a pick next week. Um, before we sign off this week, this week, uh, Joe, why don't because because Joe has nothing to do with this week's sideshow. Why don't you talk about it so at least you're part of it that way? Right. I needed some much needed vacationing, so I decided to bow out of this week's sideshow, which is the Arrowverse. Uh, Jacques and his friend Sam. Uh, who is all of 17, he and he, they, they that's a shorter way of saying we. it. Right. <laughs> they discuss the Arrowverse and the upcoming seasons of Arrow, uh, the upcoming, uh, I know Supergirl's kind of a tangent, but there's Arrow, and then there's the other show with, Flash. with the Flash, and then Legends the of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. I mean, we, we were, when we sat down, we were going to bring in the whole DC TV universe with the cartoon Vixen, with, with the app-only, like, 
Titans coming up, but honestly, we went well over time just talking about Arrow, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow. Um, we didn't even touch on Gotham and stuff like that, but our friend Sam you know, pretty much drives the ship. It's a fun episode if you like the tween Arrow universe, which I do very much. Yeah, and so just to give you a perspective, Jacques, who's not 17, had nope. to find somebody who is 17 to bond with over this love kind of obsession with the Arrowverse. So I scoured the chat rooms, yep. randomly found this guy, Sam. Yeah, exactly. It's Sam. Right. Uh, but, but seriously, uh, Sam, Sam knocks out of the park. It's a great episode. Um, so that's this week's Sideshow. And uh, Joe, you got a parenting tip of the week? Uh, I would say... Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> My parenting tip, because I'm in the car, you know, with the Hope Dashers quite a bit, and it's the classic every single time. We're not in the car. It's like, how long is this going to take? You got your fucking iPad. Does it matter? You can either sit in the house with your iPad or sit in the car. I don't understand the the uh, the anxiety you have how long it's going to take. You're doing the same thing anyways. But my parenting tip of the week, tell them it's at least going to be twice as long. If it's a half-hour drive, tell now. Granted, my little guys love road trips. They lo- we two summers ago drove from LA to Boston. They had the time of life. It was great. Um, a couple weeks ago, we drove down to Washington D.C. Played a lot of fun car games, and you know, like the the updated version of Station Wagon because you can't play Station Wagon anymore and have a score of let's say more than one <laughs> going to D.C. But we had they love road trips, but they hate getting in the car. It's twenty five minutes from my house to Joe's. How much longer is it going to be? Uh, about the same fucking time it took last week. Yeah. Um, uh, but so I just I just flat out tell him it's going to be two or three times as long. That's my parenting well, tip. That's what Scotty did on one of the episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Scotty from you know Star Trek fame. He's the stereotype drunk Scotsman. Yes, named Scotty. Right, <laughs> uh, James Doohan. He says uh, to the captain, "Oh, you know this is going to take at least a, at least a two hours to fix." And then uh, Jordy LaForge. Who is on them? You know, is that crossover episode right. where they go through some wormhole or something and they find them? Um, Jordy's like, but this is only going to take half an hour. It's like, matey, you got to learn something about communication. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you give them more than you think they're going to take. Thank you, the uh, Carnival personnel at at Carnival Podcast on Twitter, at Carnival Podcast on Facebook. Uh, we're going out with more music from Chip Boy, who uh, I have become a big fan of. YouTube it if you like 8-bit music, if you like video game music. Um, there's might be two plus hours, three plus hours at least of uh, content. So you hit the play all button and you go on with the day. It's great background music. I appreciate the plug, but I- I'm a little worried about your love for 17-year-old boys. <laughs> don't, don't. Anyway. I'm trying to think of something funny to say, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, hey. the truth hurts sometimes. Hey, strangers have the best candy. All right, and with oh. that, Jacques, do not forget. <laughs>